The Witcher, Last Wish, Chapter 2, 4, Part 2 of Part 2. <laughs> You're right as usual, Iced. Calanthe smiled warmly. Geralt was amazed by her arsenal of smiles. Indeed, I do have important matters to discuss with some honorable Ravics. I'll dedicate some time to you too, but you know my principle, duty then pleasure. Haxo? She raised her hand and beckoned the castellan. Haxo rose with a, without a word, bowed, quickly ran upstairs, disappearing into the dark gallery. The queen turned to the witcher. You heard? We've been debating for long, too long. If Pavetta has stopped preening in front of the looking glass, she'll be here presently. So prick up your ears, because I won't repeat this. I want to achieve the ends which, to a certain degree, you have guessed. There can be no other solution. As for you, you have a choice. You can be forced to act by my command. I don't wish to dwell on the consequence of disobedience, although obedience is generally rewarded. Or you can render me a paid service. Note that I didn't say I can buy you because I've decided not to offend your witch's pride. There's a huge difference, isn't there? The magnitude of this difference has somehow escaped my notice. You know what else has escaped your notice? Where the hell Where we are, are right now. We, you, are in a dark tale. And here there be spooky, spooky dragons. dragons. Spooky, spooky dragons. And uh, welcome back, my friends and companions, to another episode of Endless Epic Dark Tales. <laughs> Welcome back to Chapter 4, Part 2 of Part 2. <laughs> part 2. It is, it is Part 2 of Part 2. It's Part 2 of Part 2. Because essentially, like, halfway, halfway through last episode, or actually all the way through last episode, we realized no, yeah, this episode, <laughs> that this chapter had a good 20 pages left of reading. Uh... And we really didn't have time to finish it in that recording session. Well, we were already like an wasn't that an hour? Uh, almost an hour and ten minutes into recording. Yeah, I was yeah. like, we, yeah, I was like, we had like over an hour's worth of podcast there. Uh, <laughs> it's just like this is going to be a two-hour podcast if we keep on this. It would have been longer than that. It would have been almost three. Yeah. If we'd have gone all the way yeah. through, it would have been almost. Three. And to be fair. People have actually asked to be for fair. to be fair. People have actually asked us to do longer podcasts because, like, the thirty-minute well, to an hour ones are not enough. People want longer ones. Well, and and I am, I'm up for that. But like, God, that I don't know. This chapter is just dragging on. Not even chapter. It's not the chapter. It's a part. It's a part. It's a part, it's a part of a chapter. Yeah. It's a part um, of a I don't actually even really understand like how the parts are broken up. Like obviously, obviously they're they're different parts of the story, but why not? Well, yeah, why not just break it into different chapters? It would be would be my dude. I've uh, I've been saying that from the start of this book. It's so confusing how it's like how it has it split up. It jumps around 
all over the fucking place. Yeah, no, I, I, I got you, man. It's, it is, it is, it's quite a bit. And beat. like, it's, it's kind of like it's slightly disappointing because I in, am enjoying the story, but there are points where I'm just like, the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> why, why are we here? <laughs> and I get it, you have to read through, but like, <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel like I'm starting a new book. At every part. In the, in the same chapter. <laughs> well, well, okay, but to be to 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 be to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. This book is a lot more shotgun than the other books. Like okay. this one right, that's, is le- I'll, like I'll, don't get me wrong, it doesn't get much better. <laughs> but it does get better. The other ones are Boy. more linear. <laughs> Because this one is all, this one's all talking about how, uh, all about talking about how Geralt comes into uh, possession of Cyrilda. Okay. So th- that's what everything in this book leads up to. Right. And it all, it all eventually yeah. hits an apex, just like in the show. Ooh, sorry. Um, yeah. It. Uh, it. It's just. There's too much jumping. Like. You know what this reminds me of? What? This reminds me of a choose, choose your own adventure story that doesn't let you choose your own adventure. <laughs> it just makes you read it from start it's to a, It's a choose your own adventure story, but the the author chose for you. Right. You decided what you were gonna what you were gonna see. You, exactly. It's it's quite a thing. Okay, oh, B- back in let's, back in. Uh, let's get back into it before we make this one a three hour podcast. Right. Then pay greater attention. The difference, my dear Witcher, is that one who is bought is paid according to the buyer's whims, whereas one who renders a service sets his own price. Is that clear? To a certain extent, let's say, then, that I choose to serve. Surely I should know what that entails. No. Only a command has to be specific and explicit. A paid service is different. I'm interested in the results. Nothing more. How you achieve it is your business. Geralt raised his head, met Mausak's penetrating black gaze. The druid of Scalige, without taking his eyes from the Witcher, was crumbling bread in his hands and dropping it as if lost in thought. Geralt looked down. There on the oak table, crumbs, grains of bucket of buckwheat and fragments of lobster shell were moving like ants. They were forming runes which joined up for a moment into a word, a question. Mausak waited without taking his eyes off him. Geralt almost imperceptibly nodded. The druid lowered his eyelids and, with a stony face, swiped the crumbs off the table. Honorable gentlemen, called the herald. Pavetta Sintra. The guests, Pavetta of Sintra. The guests grew silent, turning to the stairs. Preceded by the castellan and a fair-haired page in scarlet doublet, the princess descended slowly, her head lowered. 
The color of her hair was identical to her mother's, ash gray, but she wore it braided into two thick plates which reached below her waist. Pavetta was adorned with a tiara ornamented with a delicately worked jewel and a belt of tiny golden links which girded her long silvery blue dress at the hips. Escorted by the page, Harold, Castellan, and Visigard, the princess occupied the empty chair between Drogador and Iced Tursk. Tursk? I feel like I should yeah. know that word because it's supposed to be it's supposed to be like a Gaelic word, but for the right. life of me, I think it's Tursk. Tursh. I but I fucking don't know. Tursisht. No, 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 no. It's pronounced like your. It's pronounced like your name. The S E A is pronounced like your name. Tours. Nope. It's it's Tours. I think. Maybe. Anyways. You know what? I'll take your word for that. The Islander immediately filled her goblet and entertained her with conversation. Geralt didn't notice her answer with more than a word. Her eyes were permanently lowered, hidden behind her long lashes, even during the noisy toasts raised to her around the table. There was no doubt her beauty had impressed the guests. Krach on Kray stopped shouting and stared at Pavetta in silence. Charming. Uh, even forgetting his tankard of beer. Windhelm of Ater was also devouring the princess with his eyes, flushing shades of red as though only a few grains in the hourglass separated them from their wedding night. Kudkudok and the brothers from Strept were studying the girl's petite face, too, with suspicious concentration. Aha! said Calanthe quietly, clearing, clearly pleased. And what do you say, Geralt? The girl has taken after her mother. It's even a shame to waste her on that red-haired lout, Krach. The only hope is that the pup might grow into something, into someone with ice tursh, uh, class. It's the same blood, after all. Are you listening, Geralt? Sintra has to form an alliance with Skalij because the interest of the state demands it. My daughter has to marry right, the right person. Those are the results you must ensure me. I have to ensure you that. Isn't that your will alone? Isn't your will alone sufficient for it to happen? Events might take such a turn that it won't be sufficient. What can be stronger than your will? Destiny. Aha. So I, a poor witcher, am to face down a destiny which is stronger than the royal will. A witcher fighting destiny. What irony. Yes, Geralt. What irony. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was funny. That was pretty good. <clears throat> that was pretty good. Never mind. Your Majesty, 
It seems the service you demand borders on the impossible. If it bordered on the impossible, Calanthade rolled, I would manage it myself. I wouldn't need the famous Garuds of Rivia. Stop being so clever. Everything can be dealt with. It's only a question of price. Bloody hell. There must be a figure on your witch's price list for work that borders on the impossible. I can guess one, and it isn't low. You ensure me my outcome, and I will give you what you ask. What did you say? I'll give you whatever you ask for, and I don't like being told to repeat myself. I wonder, Witcher, do you always try to dissuade your employers as strongly as you are me? Time is slipping away. Answer yes or no. Yes. That's better. That's better, Geralt. Your answers are much closer to the ideal. They're becoming more like those I expect when I ask a question. So discreetly stretch your left hand out and feel behind my throne. Geralt slipped his hand under the yellow-blue drapery. Almost immediately, he felt a sword secured to the leather upholster backrest, a sword well known to him. Your Majesty, he said quietly. Not to repeat what I said earlier about killing people. You do realize a sword alone will not defeat destiny. I do. Calanthe turned her head away. A witcher is also necessary. As you see, I took care of that. Your Majesty. Not another word, Geralt. We've been conspiring for too long. They're looking at us. Iced is getting angry and... Talked to the Castellan. Have something to eat, drink, but not too much. I want you to have a steady hand. He obeyed. The Queen joined the conversation between Iced, Visigard, and Mausak with Pavetus silent and dreamy participation. Drogodor had put away his loot and was making up his, ma his lost eating time. Haxor was intoxicative. Uh, the Vavoid, Voivod, with the hard-to-remember name, who must have heard, but Voivod was easier to remember. Right. <laughs> who must have heard something about the affairs and problems of Forhorn, politely asked whether the mares were falling well. Geralt answered yes, much better than the stallions. He wasn't sure if the joke had been well taken, but the Voivod didn't ask any more questions. <laughs> That's good. That's pretty good. Mausak's eyes constantly sought the witchers, but the crumbs on the table didn't move again. Hrakon Cray was becoming more and more friendly with the two brothers from Stript. The third, the youngest brother, was paralytic. Having tried to match the drinking speed imposed by Dreg Bondu, the scald had emerged from its unscathed. The younger and less important lords gathered at the end of the table. Tipsy started to sing well-known song, out of tune, uh, about a little goat with horns and a vengeful old woman with no sense of humor. 
A curly-haired servant and a captain of the guard wearing the gold and blue of Sintra ran up to Visigard. The marshal, frowning, listened to the report, rose and leaned down from behind the throne to murmur something to the queen. Calanthe glanced at Geralt and answered with a single word. Visigard leaned over even further and whispered something more. The queen looked at him sharply and, without a word, slapped her armrest with an open palm. The marshal bowed and passed the command to the captain of the guard. Geralt didn't hear it, but he did notice that Mausex wriggled uneasily and glanced at Pavetta. The, pr the princess was sitting motionless with her head lowered. Heavy footsteps, accompanied by the clang of metal striking the floor, could be heard over the hum of the table. Everyone raised their head and turned. The approaching figure was clad in armor of iron sheets and leather treated with wax. His convex, angular, black and blue breastplate overlapped a segment apron and a short thigh pad. The armored plated brazard bristled with sharp steel spikes, and the visor with its densely grated screen extending out in the shape of a dog's muzzle was covered with spikes like a conquer casting. I didn't understand any of that. I'm not even sure it was English. Yeah, no. that was uh, clattering and grinding, the strange guest approached the table and stood motionless in front of the throne. Noble Queen, honorable gentlemen, said the newcomer, bowing stiffly. Please forgive my, me for disrupting your ceremonious feast. I am Urchion of Aaron, Erlenwald. Erlenwald? Erlenwald. Erlenwald, yeah. <laughs> Greetings, Urchion of Erlenwald, said Calanthe slowly. Please take your place at the table. In Sintra, we welcome every guest. Thank you, your majesty. Urchion of Ireland bowed once again and touched his chest with his fist, clad in an iron gauntlet. But I have come to Sintra as a... I haven't come to Sintra as a guest, but on the matter of great importance and urgency. If your majesty permits... I will present my case immediately, without wasting your time. Urchion of Aranwald, said the Queen sharply, a praiseworthy concern about our time does not justify lack of respect, and such is your speaking to us from behind an iron trellis. Remove your helmet, and we'll endure the time wasted while you do. My face, your majesty, must remain hidden for the time being, with your permission. An angry ripple punctuated here and there with the odd curse ran through the gathered crowd. Mausak lowered his head, moved his lips silently. The witcher felt the spell electrify the air for a second, felt it stir his medallion. Calanthe was looking at Urchion, narrowing her eyes and drumming her fingers on the armrest. Granted, she said finally, I choose to believe your motive is sufficiently important. 
So, what brings you here, Urchion without a face? Thank you, said the newcomer. But I am unable to suffer the accusation of lacking respect, so I explain that it is a matter of a knight's vow I am not allowed to reveal my face before midnight strikes. Calanthe raised her hand perfunctorily, okay, perfunctorily, affected, accepted his explanation. Urchion advanced, his spiked armor clanging. Fifteen years ago, he announced loudly, your husband, King Rogner, lost his way while hunting in Erlenwald. Wandering around the pathless tracks, he fell from his horse into a ravine and sprained his leg. He lay at the bottom of the gully and called for help, but the only answer he got was the hiss of vipers and the howling of approaching werewolves. He would have died without the help he received. I know what happened, the queen affirmed. If you know it, too... I guess you are the one who helped him. Yes, it is only because of me he returned to you in one piece and well. I am grateful to you then, Urchion of Erlenwald. The gratitude, that gratitude is none the lesser the fact that Ronger, gentleman of my heart and bed, has left this world. Tell me, if the implication that your aid was not disinterested does not offend another of your knightly vows, how can I express my gratitude? You know well, my aid was not disinterested. You know too, that I have come to collect the promised reward for saving your king's life. Oh yes. Calanthe smiled, but green sparks lit up her eyes. So you found a man at the bottom of a ravine, defenseless, wounded, and at the mercy of vipers and monsters, and only when he promised you a reward did you help? And if he didn't want to or couldn't promise you something, you'd have left him there, and to this day I wouldn't know where his bones lay? How noble! No doubt your actions were guided by a particularly chivalrous vow at the time. The murmur of the hall grew louder. And today you come for your reward, Urchion, continued the queen, smiling even more ominously. After fifteen years, no doubt you are counting the interest accrued over this period. This isn't the dwarves' bank, Urchion. You say Ronger promised you a reward. Ah, well... It would be difficult to get him to pay you. It would be simpler to send you to him in the other world, to reach an agreement over who owes what. I loved my husband dearly, Achion. To forget that I could have lost him then, fifteen years ago, if he hadn't chosen to bargain with you. The thought of it arouses rather ill feelings towards you, masked newcomer. Do you know... That here in Sintra, in my castle, and in my power, you are just as helpless and close to death as Ronga was then, at the bottom of the ravine. What will you propose? What price? 
What reward will you offer if I promise you will leave here alive? The medallion on Geralt's neck twitched. The Witcher caught Mausak's clearly uneasy gaze. He shook his head a little and raised his eyebrows questioningly. The druid also shook his head and barely, with a barely perceptible move of his curly beard, indicated Urchion. Geralt wasn't sure. Your words, your majesty, called Urchion, are calculated to frighten me. To kindle the anger of the honorable gentlemen gathered here and the contempt of your pretty daughter, Pavetta. But above all, your words are untrue, and you know it. You accuse me of lying like a dog? An ugly grimace crept across Calanthe's lips. You know very well, your majesty, the newcomer continued adamantly. What happened in Arenwald that day? You know, Ronger, once saved, vowed his own will to give me whatever I asked for. I called upon every one to witness the words. I called upon every one to witness my words. When the king rescued from his misadventure, reached his retinue, he asked what I demanded, and I answered. I asked him to promise me whatever he had left at home without knowing or expecting it. The king swore it would be so, and on his return to the castle he found you, Calanthe, in labor. Yes, your majesty, I waited for fifteen years, and the interest of my reward has grown. Today I look at the beautiful Pavetta and see that the wait has been worth it. Gentlemen and knights, some of you have come to Sintra to ask for the princess's hand. You have come in vain. The day of her birth, by the power of the royal oath, the beautiful Pavetta has belonged to me. The uproar burst forth from among the guests. Some shouted, someone swore, someone else thumped his fist on the table and knocked the dishes over. Wildhill of Stript pulled a knife out of the roast lamb and waved it around. Croc-on-crate bent over, was clearly trying to break a plank from the table trestle. That's unheard of, yelled Visigurd. What proof do you have? Proof! The queen's face, exclaimed Urchion, extending his hand, is the best proof. Pavetta sat motionless, not raising her head. The air was growing thick with something very strange. The witch's medallion was tearing at its chain under his tunic. He saw the queen summon a page and whisper a short command. Geralt couldn't hear it. But he was puzzled by the surprise on the boy's face when the fact that he that the command had to be repeated. The page ran towards the exit. The uproar at the table continued as Ice Tarash Tursak turned to the queen. Kalanthe, he said calmly, as what she is what he says true. And if it is, the queen muttered through her teeth, 
biting her lips and picking at the green sash on her shoulders. So what? If what he says is true, Ice frowned, then the promise will have to be kept. Is that so? Or am I to understand, the islander said grimly, that you treat all promises this lightly, including those which have been etched themselves so deeply into my memory? Geralt, who was never expected to see Calanthe blush deeply, with tears in her eyes and trembling lips, was surprised. Iced, whispered the queen. This is different. Is it, really? Oh, you son of a bitch! Crack on Crate yelled unexpectedly, jumping up. The last fool who said I'd acted in vain was pinched apart by crabs at the bottom of Anchor Bay. I didn't sail here from Skillig to return empty-handed. A suitor has turned up. Some son of a trollop. Someone bring me a sword and give that idiot some iron. We'll see. We'll soon see who. <clears throat> Maybe you should just shut up, Crack. Ice snapped scathingly, resting both fists on the table. Dreg won't do. I render your, you responsible for his future behaviour. <clears throat> and are you going to silence me too, Turashk? Tursak? Shouted Ranfarn of Atre, standing up. Who's going to stop me from washing the insult thrown at my prince away with blood? And his son, Windhelm. The only man worthy of Pavetta's hand and bid. Bring the swords! I'll show that Archeon, or whatever he's called, how we of Atter take revenge for such abuse. I wonder whether anybody or anything can hold me back. Yes, regard for good manners, said Iced Tursak calmly. It is not proper to start a fight here and challenge anyone without permission from the lady of the house. What is this? Is the throne room of Sintra an inn where you can punch each other's heads and stab each other with knives as fancy takes you? Everyone started to shout again, to curse and swear and wave their arms about, but the uproar suddenly stopped, as if cut by a knife, at the short furious roar of an enraged bison. Yes, said Kudkudok, clearing his throat and raising from his chair. Iced has it wrong. This doesn't even look like an inn anymore. It's more like a zoo. So a bison should be at home here, Honourable Calanthe. Allow me to offer my opinion. A great many people, I see, said Calanthe in a drawling voice, have an opinion on this problem and are offering it even without my permission. Strange that you aren't interested in mine, and in my opinion, this bloody castle will sooner collapse on my head than I give Pavetta to this crank. 
I haven't the least intention. Rogner's oath. Oh, I'm sorry. Rogner's oath. Urchion began. But the queen silenced him, banging her golden goblet on the table. Rogner's oath means about as much as last year's snows. And as for you, Urchion, I haven't decided whether allow, to allow Crack or Rainfan to meet you outside and simply hang you. You're greatly influencing my decision with your interruption. Geralt was disturbed by the way his medallion was quivering, looked around the hall and suddenly saw Pavetta's eyes, emerald green like her mother's. The princess was no longer hiding them beneath her long lashes. She swept them from Mausak to the Witcher, ignoring the others. Mausak, bent over, was wriggling and muttering something. <coughs> Kudkadok, still standing, cleared his throat meaningfully. Speak, the queen nodded, but be brief. As you command, your majesty, noble Kalanthe, as you know, knights, and you, knights, Indeed, Urchion of Aranwald made a strange request of King Rogner. A strange reward to demand the king offer him his wish, but let us not pretend that we've not heard of such requests of the law of surprise, as old as humanity itself, of the price a man who saves another can demand, of granting of a seemingly impossible wish. You will give me the first thing that comes to greet you, it might be a dog, you'll say, a halberder, at the gate, even a mother-in-law's impatient holler at her son-in-law when he returns home. Or you'll give me what you find at home yet don't expect. After a long journey, honourable gentleman, and an unexpected return, this could be a lover in the wife's bed, but sometimes it's a child, a child marked out by destiny. Briefly, Kudkudok, Kalanthe frowned. As you command, sirs, have you not heard of children marked out by destiny? Was it not the legendary hero Zatret Voruta, given to the Doros as a child because he was the first person his father met on his return? And Mad Day, who demanded the traveller give him what he left at home without knowing it. That surprise was the famous Supri, later, who later liberated Mande from the curse which weighed him down. Remember Zivalena, who became queen of Metina, with the help of, a no, of the gnome Rumpelstilt, and returned. Who could that be? Huh? Who could that be? Hugh, and returned, and in return promised him her firstborn. Zivalena did not keep her promise when Rumpelstead came for his reward, and by using spells, she forced him to run away. Not long after that, both she and the child died of plague. You do not dice with destiny with impunity. Don't threaten me, Kukurok, Kalanthe grimaced. Midnight is close, the time for ghosts. Can you remember any more legends from your undoubtedly difficult childhood? If not, then sit down. 
I ask your grace, the Baron turned his long, up his long whiskers, to allow me to remain standing. I'd like to remind everybody of another legend. It's an old, forgotten legend. We've all probably heard it in our difficult childhoods. In this legend, the kings kept their promises, and we poor vassals are only bound to kings by the royal word, treaties, alliances. Our privileges and fiefs all rely on it. And now, are we to doubt all this? Doubt the invulnerability of the king's word? Wait until it is worth as much as yesteryear's snow. If this is how things are to be, a difficult old age awaits us after our difficult childhoods. Whose side are you on, Kudgadok? hollered Rainfarn of Atter. Silence, let him speak. This cackler's full of hot air. Insults your majesty. This cackler, full of hot air, insults her majesty. The Baron of Teg is right. Silence, Calanthe said suddenly, getting up. Let him finish. I thank you gracefully. Graciously, Kukadok bowed. But I have finished. Silence fell, strange after the commotion his words had caused. Calanthe was still standing. Geralt didn't think anyone had noticed her hand shake as she wiped her brow. My lords, she said finally, you deserve an explanation. Yes, this Archeon speaks the truth. Rogner did swear to give to him that which he did not expect. It looks as if our lamented king was an oaf as far as a woman's affairs are concerned, and couldn't be trusted to count to nine. He confessed the truth on his deathbed, because he knew what I'd do to him if he admitted it earlier. He knew what a mother whose child is disposed of so recklessly is capable of. The knights and magnates remained silent. Urchion stood motionless, like a spiked iron statue. And Kudkadok, continued Calanthe, well, Kudkadok has remained, reminded me that I am not a mother, but a queen. Very well, then. As queen, I shall convene a council tomorrow. Sintra is not a tyranny. The council will decide whether the dead king Oath is to decide the fate of the successor to the throne. It will decide whether Pavetta and the throne of Sintra are to be given to a stranger or to act according to the kingdom's interests. Calanthe was silent for a moment, looking asconce at Geralt. And as for the noble knights who have come to Sintra in hope of the princess's hand, it only remains for me to express my deepest regret at the cruel disrespect and dishonor they have experienced here, at the ridicule poured on them. I am not to blame. Amid the hum of voices which rumbled through the guests, the witcher managed to pick out iced Tursak's whisper. On all the gods of the sea, sighed the islander, this isn't befitting. This is an open incitement to bloodshed. Calanthe, you're simply setting them against each other. 
Be quiet, iced, hissed the queen ferociously. Because I'll get angry. Mausak's black eyes flashed as with a glance the druid indicated Rainfarn of Atir, who with a gloomy grimacing face was prepared to stand. Geralt reacted immediately, standing up first, banging the chair noisily. Is that me? That's you. Oh, man. <clears throat> Maybe it will prove unnecessary to convene the council. He said in ringing tones. Everyone grew silent, watching him with astonishment. Geralt felt Pavetta's emerald eyes on him. He felt Urchion's gaze fall on him from behind the lattice of his black visor. And he felt the force surging like the flood wave and solidifying in the air. He saw how, under the influence of this force, the smoke from the torches and oil lamps was taking on fantastic forms. He knew that Mausak saw it too. He also knew that nobody else saw it. I said, he repeated calmly, that convening the council may not prove necessary. You understand what I have in mind, Urchion of Arrow and Wold. The spiked knight took two grating steps forward. I do, he said, his word hollow beneath the helmet. It would take a fool not to understand. I heard what merciful and noble Lady Calanthe said a moment ago. She has found an excellent way to get rid of me. I accept your challenge. Night unknown to me. I don't recall challenging you, said Geralt. I don't intend to duel you, Urchion of Arrow and Bob. Geralt! called Calanthe, twisting her lips, forgetting to call the Witcher Ravix. Don't overdo it. Don't put my patience to the test. Or mine, added Rainthorn ominously. Crack Oncre growled, and Ice Tursak meaningfully showed him a clenched fist. Crack growled even louder. Everyone heard you. Everyone heard, spoke Geralt. Baron Tig, tell us about the famous hero taken from their parents on the strength of the same oath that Urchion received from King Rognor. Rognir? <clears throat> but why should anyone want such an oath? You know the answer, Urchion of Eronwald. It, it creates a powerful, indisposable tie of destiny between the person demanding the oath and its object. The child surprise. Such a child, marked by blind fate, can be destined for extraordinary things. It can play an incredibly important role in the life of the person to whom fate has tied it. That is why, Urchion, you demand the prize you claim today. You don't know the throne of Sintra. You want the princess. It is exactly as you say, night unknown to me. Urchion laughed out loud. That is exactly what I claim. Give me the one who is my destiny. That, Geralt said, 
will have to be proved. You dare doubt it after the Queen confirmed the truth of my words? After what you've just said? Yes, because you didn't tell us everything. Rognir knew the power of the law of surprise and the gravity of the oath he took. And he took it because he knew law and custom have power which protects such oath, ensuring that they are only fulfilled when the force of destiny confirms them. I declare, Ertion, that you have no right to the princess as yet. You will win her only when. When what? When the princess herself agrees to leave with you. This is what the law of surprise states. It is the child's, not the parent's, consent which confirms the oath, which proves that the child was born under the Chateau of Destiny. That's why you returned after 15 years, Ocheon. And that's the condition King Ragnar, Rognir, sorry, Rognir stipulated in his oath. Who are you? I am Geralt of Rivia. Who are you? Geralt of Rivia, to claim to be an oracle in the matters of laws and custom. He knows the law better than anyone else, Mausak said in a hoarse voice. Because it applied to him once, he was taken from his home because he was what his father hadn't expected to find on his return. Because he was destined for other things. And by the power of destiny, he became what he is. And what is he? A witcher. In the silence that reigned, the guardhouse bell struck, announcing midnight in a dull tone. Everyone shuddered and raised their heads. Mausak watched Geralt with surprise. But it was Urchion who flinched most noticeably and moved uneasily. His hands, clad in their armor gauntlets, fell to his sides lifelessly, and the spiked helm swayed unsteadily. The strange unknown force suddenly grew thicker, filling the hall like a gray mist. It's true, said Calanthe. Geralt, present here, is a witcher. His trade is worthy of respect and esteem. He has sacrificed himself to protect us from monsters and nightmares born in the night, those sent by powers ominous and harmful to man. He kills the horrors and monsters that await us in the forests and ravines, and those which have the audacity to enter our dwellings. Urchion was silent. And so, continued the queen, raising her ringed hand, let the law be fulfilled. That the oath which you, Urchion of Erlenwald, insist should be satisfied, be satisfied. Midnight has struck. Your vow no longer binds you. Lift your visor before my daughter expresses her will. Before she decides her destiny, let her see your face. We all wish to see your face. Urchion of Erlenwald slowly raised his armored hand pulled at the helmet's fastenings, grabbed it by the iron horn, and threw it against the floor with a crash. Someone shouted, someone swore, someone sucked in their breath with a whistle. 
On the queen's face appeared a wicked, very wicked smile. A cruel smile of triumph. Above the wild semicircular breastplate, two bulbous black button eyes looked out. Eyes set on either side of a blunt elongated muzzle, covered in reddish bristles. A full and sharp set of white fangs. Urchion's head and neck bristled with a brush of short grey twitching pricks. This is how I look, spoke the creature, which you well know, Calanthe. Rogner, in telling you of his oath, wouldn't have omitted describing me. Urchion of Erlenwald, to whom, despite my appearance, Rogner swore his oath. You prepared well for my arrival, Queen. Your own vassals have pointed out your haughty and contemptuous refusal to keep Rogner's word, and when you attempt to set other suitors on me, didn't exceed, you still had a killer witcher in reserve, ready at your right hand. And finally, common, low deceit, you wanted to humiliate me, Calanthe. Know that it is yourself you have humiliated. Enough! Calanthe stood up and rested her clenched fist on her hip. Let's put an end to this, Pavetta. You see who, or rather what, is standing in front of you. Claiming you for himself. In accordance with the law of surprise and eternal custom, the decision is yours. Answer. One word from you is enough. Yes, and you become the property, the conquest of this monster. No, and you will never have to see him again. The force pulsating in the hall was squeezing Geralt's temples like an iron vice, buzzing in his ears, making the hair on his neck stand on end. The witcher looked at Mausak's whitening knuckles, clenched at the edge of the table, at the trickle of sweat running down the queen's cheek, at the breadcrumbs on the table moving like insects, forming runes, dispersing and again gathering into one word. Careful. Pavetta, Calanthe repeated. Answer, do you choose to leave with this creature? Pavetta raised her head. Yes. The force filling the hall echoed her, rumbling hollowly in, hollowly in the arches of the vault. No one, absolutely no one made the slightest sound. Calanthe very slowly collapsed into her throne. Her face was completely expressionless. Everyone heard. Urchion's calm voice resounded in the silence. You too, Calanthe, as you did, as did you, Witcher, cunning hired thug. My rights have been established. Truth and destiny have triumphed over lies and deviousness. What do you have left, noble queen? Disguised witcher? Cold steel? No one answered. I would like to leave with Pavetta immediately, continued Urchion, just his, his bristles stirring as he snapped his jaw shut. 
but I won't deny myself one small pleasure. It is you, Calanthe, who will lead your daughter here to me and place her white hand in mine. Calanthe slowly turned her head in the direction in the witcher's direction. Her eyes pressed a command. Geralt didn't move, sensing that the force condensing in the air was concentrated on him. Only on him. Now he understood. The queen's eyes narrowed. Her lips quivered. What? What is this? yelled Crach on Cray, jumping up. Her white hand and his, the princess with his bristly stinker, with his pig's snout. And I wanted to fight him like a knight, Rainform chimed in. This horror, this beast, less the dogs on him, the dogs. God, cried Calinthe. Everything happened at once. Krach on Cray seized a knife from the table and knocked his chair over with a crash. Obeying Ice's command, Drag Bondu, without a thought, whacked the back of his head with his bagpipes as hard as he could. Crack dropped onto the ground, a sturgeon in grey sauce, between a sturgeon in grey sauce and a few remaining arch ribs of a roast boar. Rainforn leapt toward Urshion, Flashing a dagger drawn from his sleeve, Kukudok, springing up, kicked a stool under his feet, which Rainform jumped agilely. But a moment's delay was enough. Urchion deceived him with a short feint and forced him to his knees with a mighty blow from his armoured fist. Kukudok fell to snatch the dagger from Rainform, but was stopped by Prince Wildhelm who clung to his thigh like a bloodhound. Guards, armed with gossarms and lances, ran in from the entrance. Calanthe, upright and threatening, with an authoritative abrupt gesture, indicated Urchion to them. Pavetta started to shout, iced her sack to curse. Everyone jumped up, not quite knowing what to do. Kill him! shouted the queen. Urchion, huffing and angrily baring his fangs, turned to face the attacking guards. He was unarmed, but clad in spiked steel, from which the points of the goose arms bounced with a clang. But the blows knocked him back, straight into Rainfarn, who was getting up and immobilized him by grabbing his legs. Urchion let out a roar, and his iron elbow guards deflected the blades aimed at his head. Rainfarn jabbed him with his dagger, but the blade slid off the breastplate. The guards crossed their spear shafts, pinned him to the sculpted chimney. Rainfarn, who was hanging onto his belt, found a chink in the armor and dug the dagger into it. Urchion cooled up, curled up. Danny! Provetta shrilled as she jumped into the chair. The witcher, sword in hand, sprang onto the table and ran towards the fighting men, knocking plates, dishes, and goblets all over the place. 
He knew there wasn't much time. Pavetta's cries were sounding more and more unnatural. Rainfarn raised his dagger to stab again. Geralt cut, springing from the table into a crouch. Rainfarn wailed and staggered to the wall. The Witcher spun and the center of his blade, slashing at the guard who was trying to dig the sharp tongue of his lance between Urshion's apron breastplate. The guard tumbled to the ground, losing his helmet. The more guards came running in from the entrance. This is not befitting, roared Ice Tursak. Grabbing a chair, he shattered the unwildly piece of furniture against the floor with great force and, with what remained of his hand, threw himself what remained in his hand threw himself at those advancing on Urchion. Urchion caught by two gossamers gussarms? I have no idea what that is. Ah, yeah, it's a French word, so screw it. Hooks at the, at the same time collapsed with a clang, cried out and huffed as he was dragged along the floor. The third guard raised his lance to stab down and Geralt cut him in the temple with the point of his blade. Those dragging Urshion stepped back quickly, throwing down the gusarms, while those approaching from the entrance backed away from the remnants of chair brandished by ice. Like a magic sword, like the magic sword Balmer in the hand of the legendary Zaretta Voruta. Pavetta's cries reached a peak and suddenly broke off. Geralt, sensing what was about to happen, fell to the floor, watching for a greenish flash. He felt an excruciating pain tear in his ears, heard a terrible crash and horrifying wail ripped from numerous throats. Then the princess's even monotonous vibrating cry. The table scattered dishes and food all around. The table, scattering dishes and food all around, was rising and spinning. Chair, heavy chairs were flying around the hall and shattering against the walls. Tapestries and hangings were flapping, raising clouds of dust. Cries and the dry crack of Gussiarm's shafts snapping like sticks came from the entrance. The throne, with Kalanthe sitting on it, sprang up and flew across the hall like an arrow, smashing into the wall with a crash and a falling apart. The queen slid to the floor like a ragged puppet. Ice Tursak, barely on his feet, threw himself toward her, looking, took her in his arms, and sheltered her from the hail of pelting against the walls and floor with his body. Geralt, grasping the medallion on his hand, in his hand, slittered as quickly as he could toward Mausak, miraculously still on his knees, who was lifting a short hawthorn wand with a rat's skull affixed to the tip. On the wall behind the druid, a tapestry depicting the siege of fire of the fortress of Otagar was burning with very real flames. Pavetta wailed. Turning round and round, she lashed everything and everybody with her cries as if with a whip. 
Anyone who tried to stand tumbled to the ground or was flattened against the wall. An enormous silver sauceboat in the shape of a many-oared vessel with an upturned bow came whistling through the air in front of Geralt's eyes, knocking down the Vovode, Vovode with the hard-to-remember name just as he was trying to dodge it. Plaster rained down silently on the table, rotated beneath the ceiling, with crack on crate flattened on it and throwing down vile curses. Geralt crawled to Mausak and they hid beneath a heap formed by Fodcat of Stript, uh, a barrel of beer, Drogador, and a chair, a chair and Drogador's loot. It's pure! primordial force the druid yelled over the racket and clatter she's got no control over it I know Geralt yelled back a roast pheasant with a few striped feathers still struck in its rump fell down from nowhere and thumped him in the back she has to be restrained the walls are starting to crack I can see Ready? Yes! One, two, now! They both hit her simultaneously with a sign of Ard and Mausak with a terrible three-stage curse powerful enough to make the floor melt. The chair on which the princess was standing disintegrated into splinters. Pavetta barely noticed. She hung in the air with a transparent green sphere. Within a transparent green sphere, Without ceasing to shout, she turned her head toward them. Her petite face shrunk into a sinister grimace. By all the demons, roared Mausak. Careful, shouted the witcher, curling up. Block her, Mausak. Block her or it's the end of us. The table thudded heavily on the ground, shattering its trestle and everything beneath it. Crack on cray who was lying on the table, was thrown into the air. A heavy rain of plates and remnants of food fell. Crystal carafes uh, exploded as they hit the ground, and the cornice broke away from the wall. Rumbling like thunder, making the floor of the castle quick. Everything's letting go! Mausak shouted, aiming his wand at the princess. The whole force is going to fall on us! Geralt, with a blow of his sword, deflected a huge double-pronged fork, which was flying straight at the druid. Block it, Mosek! Emerald eyes sent two flashes of green lightning at them. They collided into blinding, whirling funnels from the centers of which the force like a battering ram which exploded the skull, put out the eye and paralyzed the breath, descended on them. Together, the force glass, uh, majolica, platters, candlesticks, bones, nibbled loaves of bread, planks, slats, smoldering firewood from the hearth poured over them, crying wildly like a great capricali, uh, Castellan Haxo flew over their head. The enormous head of a boiled carp splattered against Geralt's chest. 
on the bare peasant table, the damsel on the bare peasant sable uh, and damsel of Forhorn. Through Mausak's well-shattering, wall-shattering curses, through his own shouting and wailing of wounded, the din clatter and racket through Pavetta's wailing, and the witcher suddenly heard the most terrible sound. Kudkarok, on his knees, was strangling Drang Bondu's bagpipes with his hands, while with his head thrown back, he shouted over the monstrous sounds emerging from the bag, wailed, roared, cackled, croaked, bawled, squawked in a cacophony of sounds made by all known, unknown, domestic, wild, and mythical animals. Pavetta fell silent, horrified, and looked at the Baron with her mouth agape. The force eased off abruptly. Now, yelled Mausak, waving his wand. Now, Witcher! They hit her. The greenish spheres surrounding the princess burst under their blow like a soap bubble, and the vacuum instantly sucked in the force, raging through the room. Pavetta flopped heavily to the ground and started to weep. After the pandemonium, a moment's silence rang in their ears. Then, with difficulty, laboriously, voices started to break through the rubble and destruction, through the broken furniture and inert bodies. Kirkap ars goli briar mal a koch, spat Craig, crack on Craig, spraying blood from his bitten lip. Control yourself, said Mau Crack, said Mausak, without with effort, shaking buckwheat from his front. There are women present. Calanthe, my beloved, my Calanthe. Ice Tursak said in the pauses between kisses. The queen opened her eyes but didn't try to free herself from his embrace. Iced, people are watching, she said. Let them watch. Would someone care to explain what that was? Asked Marshal Visigard, crawling from beneath a fallen tapestry. No said the witcher. A doctor! Windholm of Atter, leaning over Rainform, shouting shrilly. Water! Wildhill, one of the brothers from Strept Cold, stifling the smouldering tapestry with his jacket. Water, quickly! And a bear! Kudkarok croaked. A few knights, still able to stand, were trying to lift Pavetta, but she pushed their hands aside got up on her own, and unsteadily walked toward the hearth. There, with his back resting against the wall, sat Urtion, awkwardly trying to remove his blood-smeared armor. The youth of today, snorted Mausak, looking in their direction. They start early. They've only got one thing on their mind. What's that? Didn't you know, Witcher, that a virgin, that is, one who's untouched, wouldn't be able to use the Force? Now, is that how Jedi's work? <coughs> <laughs> 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 
to hell with her virginity, muttered Geralt. Where did she get such a gift anyway? Neither Calanthe nor Rognar. She inherited it, missing a generation and no mistake, said the druid. A grandmother, Adalia, could raise a drawbridge bridge with a twitch of her eyebrows. Hey, Geralt, look at that. She still hasn't had enough. Calanthe, supported by Ice Tursak's arm, indicated the wounded Urchion to the guards. Geralt and Mausak approached quickly, but unnecessarily. The guards recoiled from the semi-reclining figure and whispering and muttering backed away. Urchion's monstrous snout softened, blurred, and was beginning to lose its contours. The spikes and bristles rippled and became black, shiny, wavy hair, and a beard which bordered a pale, angular, masculine face, dominated by a prominent nose. What? stammered Ice Torsak. Who's that? Arshion? Danny, said Pavetta softly. Calanthe turned away and with pursed lips. Cursed? murmured Ice. But how? Midnight, Midnight oh, has that's struck, you, yep. said the Witcher. Just this minute, the bell we heard before was early. The bell rings mistake. The bell ringer's mistake. And I am, am I right, Calanthe? Right, right, groaned the man called Dunny, answering instead of the queen who had in no intention of replying anyways. But maybe instead of standing there talking, someone could help me with this armor and call a doctor? That madman Rainvon stabbed me under the ribs. What do you need a doctor for? Oh, that's not Mausak. What do you need a doctor for? Said Mausak, taking out his wand. Enough! Calanthe straightened and raised her head proudly. Enough of this! When all this is over, I want to see you in my chambers, all of you, as you say, as you stand. Ice, Pavetta, Mausak, Geralt, and you, Dunny. Mausak? Yes, Your Majesty. That wand of yours, I'm, I've bruised my backbones, and thereabouts. Harass, uh, at your command, Your Majesty. And Ooh. there ends the part two of part two of chapter yeah. four. Oh boy, that Man. was that was quite a read. Yeah, they really dragged that out <laughs> considerably. You know how long uh, that scene is in the in the in the film? I don't know. Uh, like five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. Like five, maybe ten. <laughs> Maybe ten it's more minutes. Not, it's not over an hour? No, it's not over an hour to be sure. Wild. <laughs> but you see you see now the inspiration of Yeah of, of Tolkien in this. Yeah. But there was there was a full <sighs> paragraph describing everything that was flying through the air. That's what I'm like <laughs> you know, I get it to a degree, but like 
halfway through that, I was like, all right, we get it. A lot of stuff <laughs> is flying about the room. There's a lot of shit can, here, we understand. Can we get on to the fucking story? Because <laughs> there's a solid 20 minutes of that. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so so I'm going to drop you a little, a little spoiler alert since... Um, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna come up in the next chapter. But essentially, uh, so you, you, you already heard noted that uh, that Pavetta can't be a virgin if she's gonna be using the power that she was using. Right. So Pavetta came up with that rule. Good job. Yeah. Right. Uh, Pavetta's uh, it, it, Pavetta is Cyrilda's mother. Who's oh oh okay Siri. okay right. Uh, so basically what ends up happening, and I don't know if it's the same in the book as it is in the show, but basically what ends up happening is Donnie goes, alright, uh, you've saved my life, I'll give you whatever you want, and Geralt's like, no, no, I don't want anything, you're fine. And Donnie says, <laughs> no, 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 we're ins- stopping that shit right now. <laughs> yeah, so Donnie says, well, well, no, I insist. And uh, <clears throat> Geralt says... All right, you know what? Fine, I'll do. I'll do the law of surprise too. Um, it'll, whatever you have in this room that you didn't know you had. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> all right, all right. Can we stop with the law of surprise? <laughs> uh, well, Christ the reason sake, the reason man. why they do it, and it goes back to like some old some old like superstitious shit that happened uh, in like old myths. It was believed like. Well, like in the in the Grimm's in the Grimm's fairy tales, like you have um, uh, Stiltskin, which they mentioned, right? Right. Rumpelstiltskin uh, is, says, "Okay, I will I will help you spin gold into or hay into gold, right?" In right. one of the versions of the fairy tale, um, but you will you will have to provide me with. X thing, X thing, X thing. And by the time that the third thing rolls around, uh, he says, all right, I'll do this for you, but uh, I, I get your first born, born child. So this, right. is, this is like a very common thing with uh, mythological figures back in the day of saying... Yeah, like, yeah they always wanted someone's first born. Well, no, 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 no. Like the old myths, it was not the first born. Uh, that was the Grimm's fairy tales interpretation of it. So the, the 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 Grimm's fairy tales basically made it very often. Oh, I, I get your firstborn, or I get your only right. child, right? Like whatever right. your your daughter or your son or whatever it is. Um, like in the case of Rapunzel and and so on. But what the what it was is basically uh, fey folk or or um, or fair folk would perform favors for people. And then in exchange, they would present them with a riddle. And the riddle was basically like the law of surprise, whereas it would be something along the lines of, uh, I will, I will uh, help you with your money problems, or I will help your, your plants grow, um, but in exchange, I, I will, you will gift me the first thing to land on your head when you wake up three days from now. Right. right. And this was like not super common in recorded myth, but in handed down myths, that's more or less how these things went. And then the Grimm's brothers and then the, the other fable recorders just sort of like took a common median and were like, all right, no, they just want kids. 
I just want to steal everybody's kids. That's it's always, yep, it's just the kids. <laughs> it's always the kids. Which is crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, we, like, I understand... Because who just, like... I understand that, like, back in that time, a child was pretty valuable because one typically meant, like, you had somebody to help you out with whatever labor you were doing. Yeah, true. Um, and two, uh, like, a lot of families would get money for, like, essentially selling their children to royals and having them be squires. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and then the, those squires would typically go on to, like, get minor lordships or um, be, be a ranked soldier within the military of that lord. So, not always, but they had a better chance at getting just something like that. Um, or apprenticing to uh, a blacksmith or a leather worker uh, than something they would have just living on a farm, you know. Right. Yeah, so, the, the whole the whole thing's kind of wonky, though. I mean, yeah, it, to be fair, the it was not a great thing. system at all. Um, at all. But in the case of fairy tales, it almost always has something to do with... Um, which what they which what they bring up in a roundabout way here it almost always has to do with like bringing a, a an individual to a greater point in their destiny mm. yeah great excuse right great excuse for kidnapping children right uh look i don't have anything on me right now but um you can have my kid <laughs> look i can't afford to pay you would you like my child <laughs> Look, all I have are hundreds. Would can, can you want? Look, do you, you want change to take for my hundreds? No. All right, go ahead and take my kid. Just, just take my child. Does that does that work for you? <laughs> okay, cool. All right, deal done. Do you do you think Ridiculous. that uh, Rumpelstiltskin had like a custody agreement? Probably, probably not. Like like nights <laughs> and weekends, or or like like holidays. I, or I would as I would assume no. But well, there weren't yeah. as many holidays back then either. So right, there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right so. now you could you could go to court and be like, hey, I want my kids on weekends and holidays, and then just like submit to the court every single holiday that is recognized by the United States. <laughs> like, oh, I get my kids. <laughs> it's International Pizza Day. <laughs> it's Donut Day. Get the kids today. <laughs> It's International Cream Filled Donut Hole Day. I, I get the kids. What the fuck? International Cream Filled Donut Hole Day. Yeah. That's you. That's. Dude, anyways, is, is there are so many fucking weird holidays. I know, I know. The only ones that really matter are like Taco Day. You know. I mean, but also, also like it's it's only like that in America because down in. Down in Australia, you have International Vegemite Day, and that's the only holiday. They don't even get Christmas. Right. Like, yeah, International like Christmas. Vegemite Day is the only Australian holiday. And then, yeah, it, they, and don't then get, it, they don't get Thanksgiving either. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there get was it? there was there was somebody on TikTok, this this young girl on TikTok, who was like, uh, "Everybody around the world should just be thankful on Thanksgiving." And I was like. No, um, <laughs> it's pretty much just an American holiday. Um, kind of an us thing. No, there's a Canadian Thanksgiving. It's like two weeks before, like in October or something. It's super, no, super weird. It's no, 
America has Thanksgiving. Canada right. has sorry giving. So, yeah. <laughs> and so you went with it's, that joke? It's the, it's the International Apologetic Day. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. sorry about that. Sorry. Uh, well, then, and then in in England they just have they just have the Queen's birthday, and then whenever which, a royal wedding happens, which they're gonna have to celebrate for the rest of time. Yeah, for the rest of eternity. Uh, never, they never get to stop that. Watch, we put this out on Monday, and the Queen dies on Sunday. <laughs> Predictive? I don't know. Did is we this know? This, is this what? <laughs> did we kill her? <laughs> We didn't. Just for just in case, I'm, I'm gonna get rid of the incrimination. We did not. You know, it just reminded me of the John Mulaney sketch, where his mom comes in, or, or is telling him about Princess Diana's death, accusatorily. <laughs> He's like, "I'm a 12 year old in 1994." My mother comes into my room. She's like, Princess Diana died today. <laughs> yeah, I've been here, Mom. <laughs> what do you want me to do? <laughs> John like John that. Mulaney is is one of the very few comedians who I laugh at just about everything he says. He has great delivery. He does. He really does. He has great delivery. Well, look, that old adage, and we need to end because this is a really... This is ridiculous. But, um... Uh, oh, it's a 90-minute podcast. That's just pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Joe Rogan, <laughs> a, who is an equal a, comparison, does 90-minute podcasts. Right. It's a, it's a uh, feature-length podcast. <laughs> feature-length podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the old adage, comedy is about timing. You know? It, yeah. it, it really is. Even, even stand-up. Like, timing is important, and he does a great job with his delivery and timing he's good yeah, well, and he's a good guy good being good able comedy. being able to read a room for like the appropriate tensions to deliver a joke is is something that's really difficult to do and it's something that a lot of comedians fail to learn how to do when they're when yeah. they're going at it um i made the mistake of telling people on tiktok that i used to do stand-up in in college and now people nobody, are like oh you should do live shows i'm like i'm not gonna do live <laughs> shows what? I'm not gonna be one more. I'm not gonna be one more dickhead from TikTok who's just like, oh, I'm a comedian now because I got 400 like, followers. Come on, there's like famous. no comedians on TikTok, dude. While I know you're joking, so many of these little cunts who just like you, you, now they have like a million followers on TikTok and suddenly they're like, oh, I'm a fucking comedian, and like it's not that they are funny on TikTok. Yeah, you are. <laughs> but they're but they're but their live shows are awful. Like they're yeah. really, really bad. <laughs> because even even doing like a go live on TikTok is not the same as performing right. on stage. <laughs> well, and it's God, it's funny because uh, you know that you know that kid who does like the, the states around the table? <laughs> oh, fuck. He was he was yes. really yes. funny prior to twenty twenty and then like then he got super political and now he's kind of back to being funny again. Yeah, um, yeah, I haven't seen his stuff recently, but yeah. 
It's like baiting something. Like I watched some of his stand-up stuff, and he's just—he's not very funny. Like he thinks he's funny, and well, he like falls down laughing at his own jokes. That's the most important. Right. Especially right. In when you're alone, comedy. when you're alone in your room. Nope. That's what's most important. Nope. It's most important, especially in, when you're on a stage. When someone's paying in, you to make other in people front laugh. Of people. All that is important is that you think you're funny. As long as you're laughing. That's all. That See, and, and that's and that's the thing is like I don't even think I would be funny anymore. Like I don't even think I would be funny today. Like my jokes did good in in the two thousands, like late. I mid, think mid to late. if you took some time to kind of like like reestablish your stage presence. Yeah, just actually put an act together. Like not like just go into it, but if you took some time and actually like, you know, had. A routine put together. I think you could. I think you could do it. You have. You have a. You have a. You have an interesting take on the world. Yeah, but I and don't that's, think that's all comedy is. I don't think that my 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 introductory segment of walking out with a name tag that says Chief Slapahoe on it um, would go over well. Well, see, and that's what that's where. <laughs> My original statement of kind of reimagining your act <laughs> would be important. Uh, yeah, know. yeah. I, I, I don't know. But I hey, don't. I don't know. It might kill. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, I will get killed. Yeah, were you kidding? Doing that right. act, doing that act in L.A. Jesus, that would be actually really. I, I look. <laughs> it would be funny <laughs> to me. <laughs> Oh God, man! Well, and there's like you and I personally know so many people who consider themselves to be comedians, yeah. and they just aren't funny. No, like at all. Like I've watched, I've watched stand-up sets from four people who we know personally who consider themselves to be comedians who get yeah. hired to do roasts and stand-up. Yep, and they are just simply not funny. Not funny. Uh, and, to be, and, I don't want, and I want to point out all men. Yeah. Oh. All, yeah. all, all well. men, not funny. So, ladies, well, it's, not, well, it's not just it's not just it's not just women who aren't funny. There are right. also well, a lot of men just, who are not very funny. This is like being like there are people who are funny, and then there are people who are comedians. Right. And that is different. That's right. an very important. Different. <laughs> Secondly. Yeah, uh, you you remember when we went to? Uh, yes, we were just, yes, we were I know. Just talking I already about know what you're talking about. <laughs> I oh know my what you're talking about. god, dude, I couldn't. I had I watch. had to walk out. I was I was. I couldn't watch. It was <laughs> so, so bad. He started it out. He st- and this is how you know if, if you were I, ever at a comedy <laughs> show or or a stand up or a open mic night and the comedian comes out and says, "The funny thing is." Yeah, the funny thing is, or or um, oh, oh crap, no! What did he say? It was uh, like oh man, why am I blanking so hard on this? Like it, he he was basically qualifying it as my stand-up routine, my comedy stand-up routine is gonna have some jokes in it, so be right. prepared for that. And I was just no shit. <laughs> Thanks. Oh no no, because he, he and he said, uh, you know what's funny about like he, he kept qualifying things with you know what's funny. It's really funny. Like don't say that if you're talking about 
Well, like, if your punchline well, is it's really funny, well, if you it's have not really funny. If you have to qualify your joke with a it's funny when, or you know what's funny, or this was funny, if it was funny, well, and, and also say the, it. The, the, hard, the hard line difference between being funny and being a comedian is when you are funny, you either don't know it or you think you're funny, right? Yeah. Comedians know they're funny and they know how to make people laugh. Yeah. That's that's the big stark difference. And uh, every comedian that you and I personally know thinks they're funny. Correct. Because on occasion, when they're throwing around a lot of money, they make pretty girls laugh. Yeah. And, or or uh, or they'll have a couple good one-liners. Right. Um, which are usually borrowed from '80s films. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's just it's. It is fun. We went on this whole rant about comedians for, for I don't even in, in our Witcher. Here. I don't know how we got here. I don't have any way to tie it back in. Yeah, I've got uh, nothing. I have no clue how we got to this point in this conversation. But yeah. Uh, oh, well, I, I had I had mentioned that a couple of people on TikTok were were saying that I should I should do live shows. And no, I remember I remember you saying that. I still don't know how, I don't we, know got how we got to that, to that point. point. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I don't I would not go back to doing live shows again. I don't think. No, no. Hey. The 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 world like, it, unless you're like an already and I'm not trying to discourage anybody. If you want to go be a stand up comic, good for you. Go do it. That's awesome. But uh, now is not the time as, to be funny. I was like, as the world stands right now, it's just like, it just doesn't seem fun to try to be a comedian because. I did, like a comedian's job is to push the envelope, like to say things that everyone's thinking that might be bad, but everyone's like, yeah, that was pretty funny. That was good. I thought that I didn't say it. You did, but I laughed and it's okay because it's funny and it's, and it's something everyone has thought. It, it may be a little uncomfortable, but it's funny and you know, it's funny. So stop making a problem out of it, but it's people can't like, get out of their own heads and get out of their own way and just like laugh at life because that's the fucking point of comedians the, com the point of comedians is for them to look at what's happening in the world and go man that's fucked up well it's the point and out here's absurdities. how it's fucked up right this is a point out absurdities in, yeah. in the intellectual Here, here's, redundancies here's how it's fucked up and, and here's here's who and you're all fucked up for laughing at it Right, well, and, <laughs> and... And the world is fucked up. Okay, cool, when, next joke. When we, when we stop... When we as stop you can seeing, see, I'm not a comedian. <laughs> when we stop seeing terrible things as something that we can laugh at, right? When we, when, we stop, when we stop being able to look at tragedies and, and take some sort of dark or, or um, numbing humor to it, right? When we force people... To look at everything in the in the raw intention of what it is, all the time. That's when societies collapse, because right. it's really really hard to learn to laugh at things that should not be funny. Correct. And the ability right. to do so is one of the best psychological ways to cope with things. Because what, what are you going to do? Like, what? Are you, like, okay, let's let's say we never learn, we never learn to laugh about things like, 
um, like the big bad ditch boom of the 1940s, right? We we never learn to laugh at that. We never learn to. That's how you're. That's how you're describing. <laughs> I, I don't know fire summer camp of, of 1944 what do you what, what do you want from me all right <laughs> love love that description that's solid that's <laughs> keep going keep going <laughs> no I get what your point I get what your point is though like if you there there's there's a time and a place like and there you know for certain things but at the end of the day and you know I'm saying day relative to whatever said event has happened you know you have to be able to joke about it you have to because right. otherwise otherwise it's just pain and and I think we've said this before in, in, a, in previous podcasts but like life sucks <laughs> life is pain <laughs> That's the consistent. That's not. That's not. Oh, every once in a while, no. You get well, good feelings every once in a while, and you know what? Some of those good feelings come from <laughs> laughing about the pain. Right. <laughs> you know what's funny is I had a discussion with a guy on on Instagram about this, and uh, he was upset about some joke that I had made on uh, on TikTok, and he was going out of his way to try and educate me on why what I had said was insensitive. And he was being respectful, so I, I entertained the conversation. Okay. Um, and at the end of it all, I, I basically, I pointed out to him, I was like, look, the natural state of man is starvation, uh, homelessness, and, uh, and fear. And he goes, oh, I don't agree with X and X theory. And I was like, I don't know who the fuck that is. But apparently there was some philosopher who had that same idea. And I was like, great, I'm on the level of philosophers. But uh, well, he's, that's, he's, that's just true. And he's like, no, I don't agree with that. I don't think that that's inherently true. And I was like, without the society that we have all built, if your mother is not in a hospital manned by other existing human beings, if you're born in the middle of the fucking desert, your natural state is homeless, starving, and afraid. That's the, the, like you have to imagine what are you given by the the ethereum of the universe right. when you are born. Right. And honestly, it's a goddamn wonder that human beings survive. Most animals are oh born knowing God, how to yeah. walk. Yeah. You know, if you're a fucking giraffe or a hippo, hippo, you, like you, you pop out of that pussy and you gotta swim, buddy. If you don't, yeah. if you don't do it, you're for your fucking little stubby hippo legs. You're you're done. That's it. Yeah, you you have minutes to live in most cases. Like most animals have minutes to do their like, you know, to learn to walk, to learn to swim, to learn to fly, whatever. Well, and if you're fly, and if you're if you're a lion, you better fucking hope. You better hope that you show a lot of promise as as like a as like a strong hunter and, and that you you beat up your your siblings enough that you're not the one your mother abandons, because guess what? That shit happens all the time amongst lions. And you better hope your dad's not extra super horny, because if he is, he's gonna fucking eat you and your siblings so that he can get some from your mom. Alright? <laughs> 
Well, and I, I, you know, you say all that stuff, and people are like, well, we're not animals. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> well, 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 that that's not the same. My my I mean, point is, but is it we, is. We have created we have created and built systems that yeah. allow us to not have to suffer through that from birth. Right. Right. But you can but still end up that standard. way. Yeah. Yeah. You can still end standard. up that way. And there are societies in the world where you are that way. I was like, the f- actually, you have a really high chance of that because there are a lot of countries. No, people don't like to talk about it, but there are a lot of countries <laughs> that you are going to be born in a really horrible situation. Yeah. You have a very, like the fact that we weren't, and whoever's listening to this most likely wasn't, uh, you're real you're fucking lucky. fortunate. You're really you're privileged. Now, and, and <laughs> I know. We, I let's, know. Let's wait, hang on. Let's let's draw back though. I don't want to use the word lucky because lucky lucky is a is a bad word. The word fortunate is is more appropriate. You are fortunate to have been born into a place because somebody worked to put you there. You are fortunate to have been born into a place where you get those things. Yeah, that's fair. All it's right. just like yeah. it's just like people people look at people like Andy Frisella and and other millionaires and billionaires like, oh, they're so lucky, they got lucky. I'm like, no, they're fortunate. They made right. good decisions and they acted on opportunities when they came. Right. Yeah, there is some aspect of being in the right place at the right time, but you have to be the right person in the right place at the right time willing to make the right decision. And yeah. that's not luck, that's fortune. Because their right place, right time comes along almost every day. Mm-hmm. You and I, you and I have a hundred business ventures right in front of us that we can't act on because we don't have the means to do it because we didn't make good decisions prior to this that allowed us to act on them. Right. So right. we are in the midst of poor fortune because we have put ourselves in the line of poor fortune. Right. Correct. That that is accurate. Hashtag accurate. And it's, Hashtag accurate, and that I explained. That just... I explained to somebody new the other day where accurate came from, and they got very upset. I don't even remember where it came from. Where did it come it, from? It came from a World Star Hip Hop video. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it was. This was. This is back in like the early era of World Star Hip Hop. Yeah. Um. There's a. There's a guy who's listening to. I don't even remember the full context of the video. All I remember is he heard somebody talk. And then he's just, he's walking around in this this room or this plaza, I don't remember what it is, and he's just yelling over and over again. He's like, man, I don't care what you say, that shit is accurate. That is the most accurate shit I have ever heard. And it just stuck with me, and I just started putting hashtag accurate on everything. Well, look, he's not wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong. He's that absolutely most, not wrong. That is the most accurate <laughs> shit I've ever heard. <laughs> And on that horribly disappointing note. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, uh, do you, you got anything you want to plug while we're here? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, new TikTok's coming out soon and uh, blog uh, this week or next week. Um, no. Sorry. This is this is this this week, hold on. I'm trying to think of when this episode's coming out. This Monday, this coming Monday. No, I thought that was last episode. That episode already came out. 
No, it did. Oh, you're right. Yeah, this week behind. or next week? We're behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are behind. This week <laughs> or next week? There we go. All right. Um, and yeah, that's you know Instagram and stuff. Of course, you can yeah you can hit them up on the Instagram, which is at Anshan A N N N S E A N, and of course you oh, can. Oh, print stores will be will be ready soon as well. Print stores for his spectacular photography. If you don't follow my brother's photography, you're definitely missing out. Uh, he is a spectacular and whimsical photographer. One might even say the world's greatest photographer. Uh, that's that's the plan. Uh, you can also catch him on uh, TikTok and Twitter at real real thick users two Qs extra thick. Um, and at the real thick users on TikTok, the prior being his Twitter account. Of course, you guys can find me at Real Slim or the Real Slim users over on uh, Instagram and Twitter, and the latter being my TikTok. And of course, Black Dragon Tavern on all of the things. Um, I'm doing a lot more modern mythology stuff with lore from Magic and Dungeons and Dragons, as well as getting out more regular lore and. Uh, historical context videos and I have a really fun series that I'm working on right now that I think you guys will enjoy but well, I'm not quite ready to announce it yet but it should be should be fun when it finally comes out Ooh, intrigue so that being said thank you to everyone who uh, who follows and listens to the podcast regularly you guys are fucking legends we appreciate the hell out of you um, and a big shout out to all of our patreon supporters um, we got some people up there in the in the studious dragons who are uh, getting this uh, super early, a whole so grand early. three days early. So <laughs> early, uh, as well as uh, helping out with the making of our lore book for old uh, fairy tales and the Ogham trees origins of magic. I am looking forward to finishing these stories up with you guys um, over the course of the next year. And then, uh, yeah, a big shout out to, uh, let's see, we've got, we've got Destiny, we've got Eve, and we've got uh, Selena, um, and I know that we have somebody else who's up there who subscribes to the Studious Dragon, I can't remember who, but I will, I swear I'll get you guys in on the next one. Thank you guys so much for being here, we love you, we appreciate you. Thank you to everyone. I've said thank you so many times in this episode, but thank you guys for listening. You guys are amazing, and we love sharing these stories with you. Um, If you haven't already, make your way over to Patreon or over to Twitter. Well, actually, it'll be done by the time this comes out. But I'll be putting out a second poll uh, for the next book we're going to be reading on regular Endless Epic uh, this next week as well, just so that we can get a consensus on what exactly we're going to be doing. But in the meantime, go out. Uh, stay bloodthirsty, my friends, and remember all hail the black dragons. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye bye. Bye. Right, right. Do you remember where we were?
page you're talking about is we're on page 130 oh well um it's the first one then <coughs> well your screen's bigger than mine so it's different but um top uh, top paragraph is uh Kudkadok was making a series of loud noises um i don't think so How do you? It's, it's if it's it would no. It does make sense because you are you're fitting more per page, which is why yours is on the previous page. <laughs> Your spatial awareness is is completely awful. All right, you ready? Yeah, probably. Are you not recording? Like what? How? Every single time, I am one now. of us is, is just completely off the ball. How do we do that? How how much? How <laughs> You're going to have almost two minutes of dead air where that I'm just talking to myself. The exact, the exact, the <laughs> we need, well, you need to, there needs to be a like, okay, start your audio recording because last time <laughs> I started mine. <laughs> And you were like, what do you well, mean I you've been recording? I said, all right, let's go. You said that last time, and I started recording before you, and then I had two minutes of audio <laughs> that, that, that's not there for you. Yeah, all right. Uh, I, I, really, I really think we're on the next page. Okay, but ready? I'm, yeah, ready and you are. 